Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. tuning in for the first time, welcome. And for those of you who have listened to previous episodes, welcome back. Today, I wanted to talk about a topic that for some reason has for a long time been considered taboo. Um, And I don't want to say just amongst immigrants, I think amongst certain communities, certain societies, it is taboo to talk about money. Um, And I'm not referring to it in the sense of flaunting you know what you have or asking people you know very detailed questions about their their expenses or you know how much money they make that I still think is gauche and should not be should not be addressed or should not be brought up um, in pretty much any any I'm trying to think of where when and where that could be appropriate in I have a hard time thinking, but maybe you think differently, um, and if you do, share. But I'm mostly talking about money um, in the sense of investing, in the sense of building wealth, um, assets, words that for for a lot of, especially first-generation immigrants, are were, very, were foreign. Even if you did speak the language fluently, even if you were, you know, you came here as a baby, if you were born here, um, when I say here, the U.S., you, those words were not used most likely in your household or amongst your family. And they were words that you, you kind of, you attached to people being very rich and you knew you weren't very rich. So that meant you could never do those things. Um, and, and that meant that you should, you shouldn't even bother <laughs> researching what, what, what it entails because it is, it's just such a far flung dream. Um, so for me growing up, and, and I know for a, for a lot of um, first generation immigrants, they became like de facto lawyer, accountant, um, house manager because of language. So I often hear stories of because you know my parents didn't speak the language well, or they're coming from a, a system that didn't require paying rent monthly, writing checks, um, paying your you know utilities. Um, that kind of thing, or paying taxes. So that coupled with the language meant the child would serve as the interpreter and sometimes you know, be the one who actually managed those things at an early age for their parents and for their household. Um, that wasn't the case for me. My, my mom was, I think, pretty savvy. Um, and you know, early on when she, when she arrived in the US, her goal was to speak the language, so she set out to do that. <laughs> And although even, you know, with the language, again, you have this, I'm coming from a, a system where we paid, we paid rent yearly because the amount was, you know, that low and, you know, paying your bills monthly is again, a foreign concept and we paid it when you paid it. Um, there wasn't this constant threat of services being cut off. It just, that's just not how, how it worked then. So 
even with that, so she had the language, she, she, she also made sure she learned about those things. So I was never in the position of managing my household bills or, you know, interpreting for my mom, you know, when, with accountants or, or anything like that. Um, she, she handled all of that. And so I guess, you know, in that sense, I feel lucky <laughs> I didn't have that burden because I, 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 on one hand, I think having that experience, you you get a level of maturity and a letter a level of understanding that a lot of kids don't get. But I also think it's a burden that you know children don't necessarily need. Um, they don't necessarily need to know that something is about to get cut off, like a, like the lights are about to get turned off because we're late on a bill, or um, we're being audited by the IRS because we didn't pay our taxes um, for the la that last couple of years like those those um, those terms and those situations can be a lot I think um, sometimes for children but again just having the basic understanding of I have to pay my bills that is something like my children I, I, they had to learn late like <laughs> like recently <laughs> um, once they had to do it it wasn't ever um, something that they were ex exposed to um, and I actually blame the school system, but that's a whole other episode. I think I really believe that those types of things should be taught in school because we learn so many other useless things that like the basics of like writing a check, even though writing a check is not a thing anymore, but still like you learned how you should learn how to do that um, early on with your, you know, secondary education. When I say secondary, like high school, you know, starting in middle school, as a matter of fact, start teaching that, you know, there are bills, there are bills that we, we did you have to pay. Um, what's the difference between a, a credit card and and a checking account um, or what's the difference between a debit card and a credit card um, I'm seeing young people who just do not understand uh, what that means so I going back to the way I <laughs> grew up and not having to be the translator and be you know be the house manager I it also meant that we did not talk about investments or 401ks or um, assets <laughs> or um, any of that stuff. It, again, it, those terms and, and those activities were limited, at least from our understanding, to people who had a lot of money, not people who were almost living pay, paycheck to paycheck um, or people, if you, you know, if you did have a little bit of savings, uh, it, it got spent every year on your vacation or, you know, on some unexpected um, emergency, something like that. We didn't, even you know learn about saving three months of your expenses or as Suze Orman <laughs> has recommended six months um, no those were foreign concepts because again you were always in the mindset of that's what rich people do and we're not rich so it wasn't until I uh, I'd say a little bit in high school because yeah, growing up again, shout out to Bay Area in a in a more affluent area. There were there were kids in high school that had luxury cars that you know they were just coming to school in their luxury cars. They got gifted um, very expensive vehicles <laughs> for their sixteenth or seventeenth birthday, and 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 that was a thing. Um, that wasn't everybody, but I think even seeing that again, you because and maybe because it wasn't everybody, you knew, okay, then they must be rich. 
um, if they're able to do that, if they're able to buy, even if it wasn't a luxury car, but if they're buying their child a brand new car where my parents have been driving the same car for five, six years and, you know, have no or don't have the ability right now to upgrade or to, you know, get a new one, you just assume, okay, then they come from money. Um, and it, and I think that that mentality is, is also what keeps you from, from researching more and, and from learning more and, and being curious about, but how did they get rich? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Did they, did they inherit it? Did they, um, build a company that, you know, became really successful? I mean, there's so many different ways, but you, again, just seeing it and knowing that it wasn't, it wasn't part of your reality you just you just observed it um you didn't try to try to learn from it now granted i was you know a teenager but when i got into college i think you saw more, some more of those you saw you know parents who purchased homes for their for their children so that they can you know live near campus and also rent out rooms um that I, I didn't even I didn't realize that was the thing until uh, probably like my third or fourth year when I was looking um, for housing and specifically off campus and then I was finding you know these these young people that had granted yeah they they would post and they could have been sub subletting but you know they would tell you like oh yeah no it's it's um it's my it's my parents house or when you were when they would screen you, the parent would call you and say, "Oh, so my daughter tells me, you know, that you're interested in renting the room, and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like that. Wow! Again, you go, they must be rich. <laughs> they must um, have a like millions of dollars that they can they can afford to do something like that. Um, and that's and that's interesting looking back for me because that I mean I was in college I was. It's pursuing higher education and taking economics classes and real I mean I understood markets like I'm I actually am really a little bit fascinated by by econ in general and still didn't understand what it meant to build wealth um, and to you know invest and to um, make your money make money all those terms that I I learned much later I again I don't know why we're not teaching these things um, earlier on. I think maybe it, sh it should always be part of like general ed. So even as I was taking my prereqs, my first two years, one of those classes should have been teaching me more about those things. Um, huh. it's, it's interesting. <laughs> but nonetheless, after that, after, um, again, just observing what I thought was rich people behavior, millionaire behavior, and I wasn't one, so I could never do any of those things. Um, of course, you know, finished college, then started working. And it wasn't until, it wasn't my first job, but the first job that I had that offered me a 401k, in, in that case, a 403b, because it was a nonprofit organization. Um, and then I think I, I started, even I would say like the first few years. So they, you had like the company match. They would match, um, you know, whatever, like, up to two or three percent of whatever you invested um and i did that but it was just an abstract thing like i did it even and even knowing i was investing 
there was a, a representative who would come and talk to us every once in a while about our portfolio and okay what are you looking to achieve with this and I, I'm in my 20s I I'm just like I don't know <laughs> and then he's like well you're you looking you know is this going to be what you use for retirement okay like I had no clue um and I remember even having a conversation with a coworker about about it and I said something like oh you know you know those things that 401ks and 403bs they just kind of like they go away and <laughs> the coworker was like what do you mean they go away and I was like I don't know it's just like it feels like once you leave one job and you go to another let's say they the next job doesn't offer it or doesn't have it um it just it's there but it's not like you have access and that I say and um and I said that because I know of people um specifically immigrants who made the mistake of pulling money from their 401k um, because they weren't, it, nobody explained to them what what that would do, um, that that would kick off a a, a tax <laughs> um, a tax rate that they were not expecting, and so I think I always looked at those types of investment accounts as just like abstract, like you do it, but it just has to sit there because if you touch it before you turn a certain age. Um, you'll get penalized for it. And so to me, then it's, it's not money that you have access to. And I know it, does, it doesn't make sense now. Obviously, I know more about it. Some of that still is true. I mean, it, it, it's, I'm not, this, these are things that, like I said, I, I know people who have experienced it and then got hit with the heavy tax bill and was just, and were devastated. They didn't understand that that was part of it. Um, but there are ways around it. And again, it's, it's that, that access to knowledge and knowing what you can and can't use it for, um, which would avoid that penalty. But again, we don't get we don't get taught that. You just somebody tells you you have this money, you have this money invested, and it's growing um, faster than you're you're adding to it. So that's cool because you know no bank account, no savings account will get you that kind of return. And then you think I'm going to use this money to to do something, whether it's to um, start building a home back in my country or um, buy a new car, like things that you just think are perfectly normal to do with what is quote unquote your money. Um, you don't expect to be penalized for using your money. So I, even those years um, when I had my, my investment account, um, I still at, at that time didn't understand what building wealth meant. Um, and I guess it started happening, hmm, oddly enough, yes, it really started to happen once I moved abroad. And I, and I, I know a lot of it had to do with, with our expenses being a lot lower. So where, when we were living in, in Florida, it was not, I, I can't say it was like an making ends meet situation, but it wasn't to a point where um, I had extra income to then invest. I did, you know, I say that, <laughs> I say that because when I was in it, it felt that way. But in retrospect, I absolutely could have decreased some of my, my expenses, decreased like our cable plan and our um, internet service that they would bundle and make you buy all these extra services that you didn't use. And those types of little things that you could, um, you could end up using as, as investment income. Um, but 
I think it became more apparent just because I would say like our expenses went down 50 to 60% once we moved abroad. And then it was like, oh, well, it just makes perfect sense. I should look into this. Granted, at that point, I also had already gotten to the habit of saving, having like three to four months of um, expenses saved. Um, that, I, that kicked off for me living in South Florida, having hurricane season. We had like years, I feel like three or four years of just back to back intense hurricane seasons where you just never knew <laughs> you never knew if the light or the the power going off was going to um kill your refrigerator or kill your washer kill your dry i mean you can you lose electronics um or appliances a lot easier um in, in south florida where not only the hurricane season but thunderstorms and, and things like that that are, that are very fre frequent in the summertime. So then, yeah, it just became more like, I don't want to get hit with, oh, our, um, our, our, our dryer is not working anymore. We need a new one. And then have to put it on a credit card or, you know, be worried about how am I going to do this? So I was already doing that. I was already saving. So that was a good thing. But then, yeah, once I saw that, okay, our expenses are a lot lower. What can we do? What can we do that's smart? Um, besides, you know, cause to me, at that point too, I knew that putting it into a, even a high yield savings account was not um, the best. It was not the most efficient way to, to use the money. So um, then I started researching more about investing, just like investing in the stock market. What does that mean? Because for a long time, that just was a foreign concept that was for rich people. But no, <laughs> you can really, I mean, depending on what stock you're interested in, you could, in, you could get stock for really cheap. Um, and when I say cheap, like $10, you know, if you want just like one share of, of certain stock. Um, and also I think, um, I'm not, I also should recognize that I think in the past maybe 15, 20 years, um, that investing like that has become more accessible with those with with the online platforms that now exist where you don't need a broker you don't need like you you felt like i have to go to a brokerage firm and like talk to somebody and fill out paperwork and no now literally you can just sign on or sign up to e-trade <laughs> and you know what's the other one schwab there's a lot of them that you could just create an account and start investing um and I mean, to your own peril, <laughs> if you want to do it that way, the advantage of having a broker, of course, is you have somebody who could advise you and could say, here's what I would do, or here's what I think um, is, a, is a good investment right now. But in, in the absence of that, and if you're feeling comfortable, and if you're able to do your own research, you can easily invest now, um, where I don't know if it was that easy before the internet. So I did start looking more into that, and I did start understanding more about what it meant to build wealth. And I know people talk about building like generational wealth, especially um, amongst like African-Americans because, 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 because of history, because um, that is not something that we, they have been able to do um, in, in, in their own communities and usually investments and, and all the resources and um, capital is, is from outsiders. Um, and but there is a way to to keep it within your community, as we've seen. They usually, you know, give examples of like the Asian communities and the Jewish communities that are able to keep dollars within their community much longer than than we we can. Um, but even with that, uh, I don't think I went in necessarily thinking I'm going to build generational wealth or anything. I just thought there's there's a better way that I could be handling my finances. So 
that by the time um, I'm older, <laughs> because I think even the idea of retirement looks so different for us now. I know I'm not necessarily waiting for the day that I stop working per se. I, of course, you you hope for the day you can work as you want. Like you don't, let's say you just want to consult or you just want to have a part-time gig, um, being able to do that. And, and also I don't tie that to an age. I don't tie that to a, when I'm 60 or when I'm 65, I just, I think when financially I'm ready to do that and I want to do that because that's the other thing you may be financially ready to do that, but you just don't want to do that. You, you like the structure of having, um, commit uh, and having a commitment and having, you know, uh, a team and, and, and the consistency of a, of a full-time job. So, um, that's sort of how I went into it and, um, and then built from there. It's, it's been now I'd say 15 years that little by little I've, I've been learning more about it and, um, and dabbling in it. I will not say that I am an expert in investing, but I do keep learning about it. I do, I use resources that, that talk a lot about that. Um, I make sure it's, it's sort of part of my personal development as well. Um, and now, be, at least with the knowledge that I do have, I am trying to pass that on to my children. And maybe that's part of the building generational wealth so that they're understanding these things too. Because I know the first time I was talking to them about stocks and, um, and you know, um, CDs and um, high yield savings accounts and all that, they were like, what? Like, <laughs> it was, it, again, foreign to them. Um, and simply because they're not being taught it. And we don't tend to talk about finances as a, as a family like that. So I'm more intentional, I'm, I'm more, yeah, intentional about, about discussing those things and, um, even giving them ideas and like, what would you do if you had this, you know, or if, what was the company you'd invest in and, and all of that? Because I think it starts there. It starts small, but it, it opens that door of, yes, you can, like, this is not limited to the 1%, um, this it's really something that is accessible if you do it wisely of course you never want to invest all your money and you know and not leave anything for an emergency because there's there's risks involved with investing um it is a long-term game also it's not i'm i'm absolutely not one of those investors that will invest today and then wait for it to go up in three months and sell i'm in it for the long haul just like i do with real estate it's a long it's 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 a long game it's not um i'm not a flipper <laughs> i'm not one of those that like is looking to make money quickly um i do think i mean it's cool i, I i've seen people do that and i've seen people be successful with it but it it takes more time and, and effort and energy that I'm willing to give to that kind of activity right now. Um, but in the meantime, of course, there are ways that you can invest your money so that it is making money. Um, and then hopefully compounding that over years, you're going to get to a point where the money that your money is making, <laughs> you can live off of, which sounds funny, but it happens, which leads me to the resources that I use, um, that I refer to often and just get like tips and, and, and advice from there's one called, um, the financial diet. It's a YouTube channel. Um, and it's this young lady. I really like her videos because she's not only just talking about what we do wrong, you know, ways to, you know, uh, as well as like what you should be doing right. Um, in terms of how we spend money and how, um, how we just 
how we manage our, our finances overall. But she always brings in people from di- different perspectives. Like she'll bring in like the immigrants. She recently spoke to um, a gentleman who was part of the Hasidic um, community and then has left and then talking about how finances are viewed in that community. So I just think that multi-layered um, approach of just looking at it from different communities um, and it's because it's not simple. It's not the same um, just because even if you're looking at a group of people who, who consistently struggle financially, the the barriers and the obstacles are not the same. So that one I find to be intriguing and learn from. Um, there's also one, this is an Instagram account called The Neighborhood Finance Guy, and um, he's, he's all, this gentleman is Haitian, um, and he, I think, again, understands not only the, the immigrant um, struggle, <laughs> quote unquote, but just like any minority group struggle, whether it's the Latinos or, you know, whomever that has grown up thinking like, I can never, I can never build wealth. I can never, um, I can never have assets, you know, um, I can never have a, a like a, a million dollar net worth kind of thing. Um, it is possible. There's a way to do it. And he's really good at breaking it down and, and talking about the little things that he's done. Cause he's come from that place. He's come from the place of like, in debt, student loans, don't you know, little savings, all of that. And then, lastly, this couple that um, they have a YouTube channel, and I'm sure they're on other um, platforms as well, called Our Rich Journey. And they are a um, African American couple who, again, using uh, all these sorts of strategies for investing and all that, have now moved to Portugal with their with their young daughters, and they're living off of their they're living off of the money that their money makes. <laughs> so they have, they, they've done it and granted they were aggressive about it. Um, and they have all these tools, they have workbooks, they have, you know, and you could sign up for it. And, um, and they're constantly just doing videos talking about like what, what kinds of accounts or what kinds of, um, funds they've invested in that could give them, um, dividends that can lead to eventually like, okay, this, this is my, this, this is what I'm living off of now. I'm living off of the dividends from my, from my investments versus I'm, I'm living off of my earned income. Um, and so that is pretty much it. I, I didn't want this, this episode to be too long, but this is definitely like a heavy topic. I'm thinking I may do another one on, on some tips and tricks that I've learned for the like really novice, <laughs> just getting your feet wet type, type of investor. Um, but there are a lot of resources out there. There's a lot of information out there. I think, um, that's why at one point they used to say that the internet was going to be the great equalizer. I don't think that that's exactly true, but I, I do believe, um, just for like the, the reasons I listed, like how easy now it is to invest in stocks, um, or in, um, uh, what is the, what is the word, the, the different funds, the different types of, um, index funds and things like that. That is so much more accessible now because we all have access to a lot of information. Um, is there still more information that only a certain few have access to? Absolutely. That's why I think it's still not the great equalizer, but it has created a lot of opportunities. Um, even if you look at this past year, so many opportunities people were able to grab onto because of the internet, because of you know access to the internet or, um, or any sort of like IT type um, tool. So that is that. Um, I hope that that wasn't too confusing <laughs> because finances could be. I am 
eager to one day look back and say like why should money should not be taboo we should all be talking about finances and how we can all do better and how we can all improve um our everyday lives by just being a little bit smarter with the use of our money so um that is it until the next episode be well